The Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. As we move closer to the NBA playoffs, check out the Woj Pod with Adrian Wojnarowski for all of your NBA needs. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Well, here's something interesting people to keep track of. We're excited to bring the Woj Pod and the Low Post, this silly podcast, together for a crossover virtual live show sponsored by Straight Talk Wireless. Hop on Zoom. and Everything has to be Zoom still. And join us for a live recording on Monday, May 17th. That's right around the corner at 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll recap the regular season. Look forward to the playoffs and even discuss what may lie ahead in the offseason because you know Woj knows all. Registration is required. Space is limited, but it's free to join. Head over to bit.ly slash Woj and Low. That's all lowercase. That's bit.ly slash Woj and Low, all lowercase. You can submit your Q&A questions when you register to join us for our virtual live podcast, the first one ever on May 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Register now at bit.ly slash Woj and Low, all lowercase. We'll see you there. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a beautiful Friday morning as we head down the stretch of the NBA season. There are too many playoff races to even talk about. The play-in tournament has created races all over the standings. The Lakers are in trouble, blah, 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 to help us sort out the end of the season in one of my favorite awards races because my brain hurts too much to do any more playoff race stuff. Uh, The one and only Brian Windhorst antagonist, Tim Bontemps, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Zach? Let me tell you this right off the bat. You call me a jackass on my podcast. You're getting booted. You're getting booted right out, buddy. Okay. Windhorst is a gregarious, generous host. I am a dictator. You start calling me a jackass, you're gone. Okay. I, in all seriousness, I have enjoyed the uh, the interplay. Hey, you, uh, yeah, you and you and many other people. You, I don't think you'll push my buttons quite like our pal will. So I think we'll be okay. You know, it is interesting, though. Nikola Jokic is going to win MVP. Let's just get yes. it. It's, it's over. Do, do the Vince Carter clip. It's been over, it's been over it's since over. the straw poll had him get 90% of the vote a month ago. And, and the one thing I will say off the top is, you know, Nick Wright caught so much flack yesterday for that tweet about how Jokic would be the fur, the soundbite, rather, about how Jokic should be the worst MVP in 35 years. He and, actually updated and said he'd be the worst since Dave Cowens, which is in, I think, 73. So and I think going back half point, a century. The point he was trying to make was, look at all the people who have won MVPs. Whose career is Jokic going to be have a better career than? Who is Jokic going to finish in X amount of years with a better career than? He basically said, nobody. And I actually think, so first we were slow. We, an NBA fandom, were slow, some of us, not me, to realize how good Jokic is right now, Right. And now we've transitioned because he's going to win MVP and we've had to give up – the critics have had to give up that idea. Like, he's okay, he's really good. Now he's going to win MVP. Now, I, I, I don't really think people have – if he plays like this for eight more years, he's absolutely going to be an all-time great player. Like, sure. he's going to finish with a better career than some people who have won MVP. If he sure. plays like this for 10 more years or 12 more years – he has I, – I don't even want to speculate where he would finish in the all-time great ring. That's how good he is. So that is the end of my Jokic spiel. Do you have any other Jokic? Do you want to call me a jackass or go, <laughs> any, any, anything? I mean, uh, I would say that to your point, when Steph Curry won his first MVP, uh, people you know, probably wouldn't have predicted that the next few years would go the way they did, right? Uh, same thing with Steve Nash when he won his first MVP. Uh, you you kind of go back through history and – you know, it's easy to look back in retrospect and say, well, this guy was great and this guy was great and this guy was great. 
And it's hard to look forward and say, well, like you said, Nikola Jokic is going to do this for another several years. I mean, I think what we've ultimately seen is Nikola Jokic just doesn't look the part of your typical MVP candidate, right? He's a, you know, he's a doughy seven foot guy from Serbia. He he's so doughy anymore. He's not he's so, so doughy anymore. He's not Tiger so doughy anymore. Tiger Dunks. I had never heard Tiger Dunks before. I absolutely love Tiger Dunks. It is so evocative. I it picture is. exactly what he means. I love it. No, it's it, it's good. And, but look, he doesn't he he doesn't have the typical profile of an MVP candidate, right? And so that I, I think, understandably, we've seen people kind of try to come up with, you know, other candidates to win the award. But at the end of the day, he's played every game in a season where we've seen all these guys get hurt, and he's been absolutely incredible. I mean, like you said, his his season is on par with any basically in the history of the league. So, yeah, I think he's a very deserving MVP. I think he's going to win the award by a lot, and you know, he's got every. If you project over the next few years, I mean, he's got every you've got every reason to think he's going to have a chance to win another one or another couple because he's going to be healthy and productive. And the Nuggets are primed with him and Michael Porter Jr. And you know, hopefully Jamal Murray can come back healthy um, from his knee injury. And if they're able to re-sign Aaron Gordon, they've got a chance to be really good for the next several years. So he's he's going to be in the mix for this award, I think, you know, going forward. I just just as one example, th- this may sound sacrilegious to people right now. And I love this player. I think he's done a great job as the coach of the Brooklyn Nets this year. If you And this is an impossible question because we're projecting Nikola Jokic could break his leg tomorrow. He could retire and go train his horses in Somor, sure. Serbia in three years. We don't know. Sure. If you ask me right now, Zach, you have to make a prediction. Who will finish with a better career? Steve Nash, two-time MVP, or Nikola Jokic? I would pick Jokic. I, I, I like, I don't, I mean, that's, that's the kind of trajectory he is on. I don't know yeah. where people would rank Steve Nash. Like, is he going to be LeBron? No, Jordan? No, Russell? No, Chamberlain? You know, blah, blah. Like you're getting, when you talk about MVPs, you are in the immortal sure. period. And that, and that's what makes game. But Steve Nash is a two-time MVP. That's just one example. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, I, Derek Rose is probably not making the hall of fame, right? He'll be the only MVP ever to not make the hall of fame. Like, Unless something crazy happens to Nikola Jokic, he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. Hey, look, if Derek Derek Rhodes leads the 2021 New York Knicks to the NBA championship, put him in the freaking Hall of Fame. Well, it's funny. It's funny because we're talking about all defensive teams. I was looking through uh, people this morning to figure out who I wanted to talk about. And the fact that, you know, obviously Tom Thibodeau is coach of the Knicks, but they have the fourth ranked defense in the league. And, you know, Nerlens Noel's had a good season, but they don't have a single guy that that I would say is a surefire all-NBA all-defensive team candidate I, I meant to say and that, that to me it just only reinforces how um, awesome this season has been for them because they they're the they're just kind of the ultimate they're, they're kind of the ultimate tib, t- tibs team I mean they play super hard and they all are connected and they all do what they're supposed to do and um, you know like you mentioned Derek Rose has come in there and had an incredible impact far beyond what I ever anticipated he would and they've been they've been super fun you know, it's been a really fun story. This is my list of initial run through all defense players. That's probably, about what I expected. For, for the 50. listeners, it's about, I think it's over 50. It's about 97 names. It <laughs> looks, definitely looks like a serial killer's scribblings. <laughs> and on that list are the following Knicks. Just, and they've all got X's through their names. So well, and, you them out. and you know, this doesn't count because you, you go to a hundred people. So I, I'm not, I, there aren't going to be Knicks on my final, like my final consideration. No, no they all had X's through them pretty fast. <laughs> but I had Randall, Barrett, and Bullock 
yeah. Uh, in addition to the center, in addition to Noel, those, so those four guys just were on my initial run through. They all got crossed off pretty fast. And they've all been, and they've all been good. very good. Just not. I mean, look. Here's the thing. Let's get to all defense. Here's the thing. Yeah. Again, sometimes you have to spell out the fundamentals because people get very angry when you slight their team. You get ten names. That's it. There 10 are no of, ten out of five hundred. There is no third team. There nope. is no fourth team. Nope. There is no brown participation ribbon for everybody who participated in the race. Nope. There are 10 names, two guards, two guards, two forwards, and a center. And then you do that again. And now there is some positional flexibility, which we can yeah, talk I want to about. Talk, no, I want to talk about that now. I, I think this positional flexibility thing is ridiculous. I know you are the uh, – Well, well the, let, let's, let's spell out first some of the interesting things. So there are a bunch sure. of guys that are eligible at guard and forward, most of which makes sense. You know, the wings, I think, should be eligible at guard and forward. Um, for the second straight season – Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic are eligible at forward and center, Ridiculous. despite the fact that they just, I mean, literally never play forward. And Ridiculous. so you could say, well, Jokic plays like a perimeter player, and so no. does Embiid a little no. bit. But just, and so, and, but this is what the league would say because other centers, Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella, are just eligible at center. They don't get the forward treatment. And so, in theory, there is now a way to get both Embiid and Jokic on first-team All-NBA and both Embiid and Gobert, if you wish, on first-team All-Defense, you are ridiculous. shaking your head and you're just ridiculous. furious. You're seething. Why is it ridiculous? I, I think I think these awards about should be very simple. I think everybody should have one position that they're eligible at or there should be no positions at all. I, I think this idea of having – like Jason Tatum is listed as a guard and a forward. Jason Tatum has played exactly zero seconds of guard all season. But he's he guarded a lot. He's guarded a lot of guards. I don't care. He's a forward. He's a forward. This is, it's ridiculous. Well, it's a ridiculous it, thing. I disagree with you, but if you're, I, I would go. If you're going to do positions, I would go point guard, wing. However, big. you want to frame it, guys should be eligible at one position, and then there are hard. You have to make hard choices. Hard choices are fine. I talked to people with the league about this yesterday. You texted me yesterday and informed me ahead of our podcast. The Jokic and Embiid were centers. I lost my mind. I was like, are forwards and centers? I lost my mind. I thought this was completely insane. Joel Embiid has never played one second way, center, power forward his entire life. By the way, if we're, if we're really going to get literal about it, you if we're going to go this far. So I think the end game of all this is just no positions. Just I pick agree. the 15 that's best clearly, players. That's, or clearly the, where this is, that's clearly where this is headed. And if we have those rules, it's just pick the best 15 guys, fine. I'm totally fine with that. But if you're going to have positions, have positions. Have it be Jason Tatum's a forward, Ben Simmons is a guard, Joel Embiid's a center, and just pick. you got to pick guys. It's okay. It's okay yeah, for I, there to be hard choices. I think I if you're going to go to that end game, if you're going to go to that end game, just go there. Because if we're going to get cute and say, well, Jokic has kind of a perimeter game. We'll make him eligible at forward. Well, let's get really cute. He's the point guard of the Denver Nuggets. Make him eligible right. at guard. If we're going to go well, that also, way, make him eligible at guard. And I also just don't think it's fair to players that aren't eligible at multiple positions either, right? Like I just – to me, it should just be fair across the board. Either have no positions at all and you're just picking the best guys or have positions and have them be real positions. Like is it fair to – I don't know, Donovan Mitchell, that he's a guard only and that Jason Tatum is a guard and a forward? Or, you know, like Rudy Gobert is only a center and Joel and – Jokic and I assume Bam Adebayo are forwards and centers. Like it, they should just just pick a position, whatever it is. Yeah, Gobert. That's how it should be. Even on the Jazz, I, 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 Gobert is a center only. 
Favors, who's not going to win anything, is a forward and a center. I guess Favors and Gobert have played a token number of minutes together so that they can be, you know, Derek Favors has been, and it, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So let's get that's to all my, the, that's my That's the end of my soapbox. Either one position for everybody or no positions at all. Let's get to all defense because it, it is one of my favorite uh, thinking exercises of the year because I love defense. It is the last frontier of quantification. Even, yep. even the analytics people will will acknowledge to you. They'll very quickly it. tell you. Yeah, they'll very quickly tell you that the defensive numbers are more of a you know kind of a rough guide than any kind of surefire. Yeah. this you, guy's you, really good or this guy's really bad. Yeah, and I've looked at all of them: your EPMs, your RPMs, your whatever PMs, your Schnorps and Vorps, <laughs> and I've looked at all right. of them. And but you know they're imperfect, and so you really get to sort of. And I've looked at all the tracking data, which we can talk about, you know, which you can parse any number of different ways. Yep. And, and at the end of the day, it still comes down to sort of like a matter of taste. So I, I have 10 slots, five first team, five second team. I'm, I've got, I think I might be up to eight guys that I have in pen for those 10 slots. And then okay. two, and then two or three, maybe. Let's that, see. Let's hear your. Let's hear your. Uh, let's hear your pen guys. Well, okay. So here's my tentative first team. Okay. I'll do my tentative first team. Okay. Let's start with the two obvious bookends. Okay. Ben Simmons is a guard. Yep. Rudy Gobert is a center. Are they on your first team? Yep. Yep. Okay. Easy. So they're gonna they, right now. Again, this is t- to be clear. This is all tentative. I reserve the right to change my mind between now and sure. when my ballot is due on May seventeenth. This is not a final answer. But right now, those are in pen on my first team. So then I've got three slots, both the forward slots, which I think are the most interesting to debate, and a second guard spot. So I will now give the floor to you. Who are you leaning toward in those three three intermediary spots? Uh, Marcus Smart as the other guard, uh, Giannis Tedekupo as one of the forwards, and Jimmy Butler as the other one. We are two for three in agreement. Uh, I went into this exercise thinking, you know, Giannis don't quite feel he was as dominant this year defensively as he was when he won defensive player of the year. Hasn't been as clean as you would think switching, which they've tried to do more gets blown by a little bit more than you would expect given his, his versatility. And then you dig into some of the numbers and some of the film and you're like, yeah, it's been a different kind of year for him. But he's still a monster. He's still awesome. He's he's allowing 50% shooting at the rim, which is better than most of the centers. He can switch on to anybody. His tracking. Very few few guys can block a Kevin Durant jump shot like he did late in the game the other day. That was was pretty impressive. You can go on his tracking data and see how he's defended isolations, post-ups. Pick and rolls is both the defending, defending the ball handler and the screener. And it's just off the charts, really good all the way around. So I yep. have him on my first team. I also have Jimmy Butler on my first team. And I, I actually invite you to talk a little bit about Jimmy Butler because I said last week, I think he's having the most underappreciated great season in the NBA. So what did you find when you started digging into Jimmy Butler? Why is he a first teamer for you? He's just had the best season of his career, I think. Uh, I mean, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, you know, we talked about on the Hoop Collective last week, we talked about all NBA candidates. And I, I think, like, there's some debate I mean, some, you know, like Tim and Brian both were not sure he would be an All-NBA guy. I think he might be a first-team All-NBA guy. I mean, he's been absolutely unbelievable this year. Whenever he's been on the court, Miami have been incredible. And whenever he's been off the court, they've been bad. 
Um, I mean, the fact that he missed a chunk of games is the reason why they're kind of mired in this, you know, morass of teams battling for, you know, avoiding the play in as opposed to being the clear fourth or fifth team in the East right now. So I just think it's a reward for just his body of work this season and the just remarkable play he's had. He's been awesome. I think he's been awesome. And he has the advantage of being eligible at guard and forward. So you can play around with him positionally depend and I, and I, which I don't have any problem with because he guards every position. Right. Um, I, I think, and, and I looked again, all the numbers on him are really strong. I, I think he's, I don't know where he's going to be on my ballot right now. I have him on the first team, but I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be on my ballot. So I don't have Marcus Smart on my first team. I think he's been really good this year. He's in my list of candidates for the second team. Yeah. I, I have another guy on my third team that I feel like um, is not is not being talked about enough because of perhaps team record and perhaps general fatigue discussing this person's defense. I think it's as good as ever, and I think he is a no-brainer all-defense player, and I right now have him tentatively on my first team. Can you guess who it is? No, honestly. I'm not sure who you're going to say. Draymond Green. Oh, well, it's funny you say it. I mean, I so you, you have Jimmy Butler as a guard, I guess, on this yes. team? Ten, oh, again, okay. this, is my, this, is my, this is my tentative. I have, tentative. So I have, I have Draymond as, uh, as one of my two second-team choices because st- I stick to – positions where I think I should be. So I I have Jimmy as first team forward. I have Draymond as second team forward. I I could not agree. I was thinking of because I was thinking of a guard. Um but I had the same thought when I was looking through numbers this morning. Golden State is fifth in defense this year. And wow. Like the Warriors have good defensive players. They have some solid defensive players and they have some guys that are not at all good defensive players. And Draymond has been really good this year. Obviously his offense is not where it was in the past. He's not a shooter anymore. Um, but got that, got that he, backpack on. He, he does have the backpack double on. Strapping, he, double strapping, double strap. <laughs> when you were a kid, when you were a kid, was it cooler to double strap or single strap? I was always a double strap. I don't know if it was cool or not, but I was always a double. So strap. when I was little, like elementary school, single strap. Then we switched to middle school, which is a culture double. shock to begin with. <laughs> and all the cool kids were double strapping. And I was not, I was not uncool but i was also not cool i was like oh i guess we're just double strapping now i guess we're going i guess nerd is cool so i would then i became a double strapper (laughs) well we i I grew up in a small farm town where we only had one school so everybody was in the same school so where was they just were in the same one all the way through but i was a double strap guy but um but no listen he's been awesome and and again sort of like jimmy butler i i think you know part of having draymond there to me is is a nod to both his career and also the year he's having this year and recognition for the way he's played, because he has been awfully good. And like I said, if you just said before the year Golden State was going to have an okay defense or pretty good defense, sure, I would have bought that. If you'd have told me they were fifth in the league in defense two weeks ago in the season, I would not have predicted that. I and still think he is the it. single best help defender in the NBA. The yeah, smartest the, the smartest defender in the NBA. The most vocal defender in the NBA. The only and guy who might be better in help defense is Giannis, just because he's so much more physically gifted at this point but Draymond is I think clearly the smartest guy and you can see it's fun watching him play because on both ends even on offense where obviously again the shot isn't there anymore he's just he's thinking three steps ahead all the time and it's really fun to watch him play as an older guy who's kind of transitioning to the next phase of his career still be able to kind of pull the strings like he wants to at both ends sometimes he gets impatient 
because uh, other people are not thinking the game at his speed. And Andre Iguodala would do this too, uh, another one of my favorite players. And Draymond will have the ball, and he'll be impatient because he sees that someone should cut or someone should come up to him for a handoff, and he literally starts hopping. Like he's hopping <laughs> yeah. and like yeah. – and, and and bending up and down because he's 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 like so impatient. I, that's one of my so again his numbers are you can look at five thirty eight you can look at dunks and threes which has estimated plus minus he's yep. top ten all the way across the board. He can defend every play type. I just think if he's not as good as he was when he won, he's a two time defensive player of the year. I think maybe one or two. I can't remember. I um, think two. I'll check um, right now. Uh, if he's not as good as he was at that level. He's still ninety five percent as good. I, I just, I just, maybe people are talking about his defense and I'm missing it. Maybe it's taken for granted. I, I just feel like he's been amazing on defense. So I have him on my first team, second team. I can't, I can't fault you for putting him on second team because you know, you know, Tim, you only get five. So I can't yes. yell at you for putting him <laughs> on second team. Second team is a wonderful honor. Second team is a yeah. great honor. So I, but right now he's on my first team. Yeah, he he was a, he was. I had four pretty clear spots or pretty clear choices for forwards, and he was one of them. He he has been great. He won Defensive Player of the Year in 2017. It's the one time he won. He's made yeah, the all uh, defensive was, team five times. And this would be Gobert's third or third defensive third because he won two, and then Giannis won. Um, almost called him Giannis, but Gobert Giannis is going to won. Gobert is going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. I I, I don't I don't expect that vote to be close. It should year. it should it should not be close. The, the Jazz know, are I, 17 points per 100 possessions better when Rudy Gobert is on the court. That's that's a lot. And they're 11 points better on defense. And he, uh, they have built that entire team around the fact that he is a freak of nature who can basically have an awesome defense by himself. And no dis, no disrespect to Ben Simmons, who's been awesome, or Joel Embiid, who's been awesome, or you know Miles Turner or Quinn Capella or anybody else that's gotten uh, you know any kind of momentum towards winning that award, but. I think Rudy's been the best defensive player in the league by a healthy margin, and I think he deserves the award. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay, full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
let's move to second team where I am. I am unfinished. Um, I am not even cl- close to finished. <laughs> I'm not sure I have any of these guys in pen actually, as I look at it now. Um, I'm so very surprised. I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you. Who do you okay. have? Who do you have in something approximating pen on your second team? So wait, your first team was Smart, Simmons, Butler, Giannis, Gobert. Yep. Okay. So who do you have in pen? Uh, on your second team, Draymond, you've already given away as one of them. Draymond, right? so Draymond are- is Draymond is one of them. I have Mikael Bridges as my second forward. I think he's one of the best young defensive wings in the league. Phoenix has had a really good defense this year. He's taken a huge step forward. He guards the best players every time they play anybody on the wing. Um, I think he's been really good. I had Joel Embiid as my second team center, sort of along the same lines as Colbert. You know, Ben Simmons is awesome, but ultimately in the NBA, your defense is anchored by your center, and I think Joel. Obviously, he's missed a little time with injuries, but he's been dominant when he's been on the court. Thought about a few other guys there, but I think he's been the choice. Um, I had Drew Holiday as one of the guards. Um, I think that Drew has been awesome this year. He's been everything that that uh, Milwaukee hoped for in making that trade. You saw it was on the offensive end, but you saw in that game on Sunday, Giannis got double teamed down the stretch. They kick it out to Drew Holiday for an open three, and he knocks it down. And that's a shot that Eric Bledsoe would not make. And he, in that same game, uh, Kyrie Irving did not do much, and that was because I think he was eight for twenty-one on Sunday, and Drew Holiday was all over him. Now, Kyrie obviously bounced back on Tuesday because he's great, but um, you know, I think Drew is uh, Drew is awesome. So those four guys, I think, are definitely going to be. Right, on so there. let me let me let me just review: Drew, Draymond, Embiid, and who else? Mikael Bridges. Bridges, okay. And the, the second guard spot is is uh, up for grabs, but I feel good about those other four guys. So here's here's where I am. I agree with you on Embiid, and you could make an argument for Capella, who I wrote a big feature on this week. has been unbelievable. Yeah, that was great. Could make an argument for Bam, who we'll talk about. Yep, Bam's eligible. Great. Bam's eligible at forward, by the way. Just I know Bam's a, little, a center, though. Bam's just a, a center. Hint, hint. hint. Um, Bam's a center. Can me. talk about Miles Turner and the uh, mutinous Indiana Pacers <laughs> if you want. Well, yep. let's talk about let's talk about Miles Turner because. Um, he was at one point maybe the co-front runner. He is allowing 49% shooting at the rim. That's number one. He's third in 538's defensive mumbo jumbo. He's very high in dunks and threes mumbo jumbo. He's, yeah. I think, number one among centers in ESPN's adjusted plus minus mumbo jumbo. Yep. And um, the Pacers are good defensively when he's on the floor and a tire fire defensively when he's not yep. on the floor. Why yep. is he now? Obviously he's only played 47 games and he's, I don't know when and if he's coming back. So that game deficit he's played. Embiid has also played 47, but Embiid is playing. Right. So that game deficit will, will increase. Why is, what is, is it just Embiid's greatness? Is it like Miles Turner is great. Embiid's just better. I, I think some of it's the games played. If, if Miles hadn't really gotten hurt, he played 10 more games. That would have factored in some to me. Uh, I also think that it's a little easier to go through miles inside. Like you saw last year when they played Miami, he had a hard time handling Bam's physicality inside. Now look, everybody has a hard time dealing with Bam's physicality inside. So that's not a crime. But if you're talking about trying to compare these guys at the very top, like I think for all of miles uh, talent and he's been awesome this year. And I think, you know, obviously it's been a well-documented, what's going on in Indiana this season. But I think that his play, you know, has been impressive after, you know, kind of being up and down last year in particular. 
Um, I just think he's overall not quite on the same level as guys like Gobert and Embiid. But he's been awesome. And if you have him, you have him ahead of Joel, I certainly don't think it's a uh, – I don't think it would be any kind of shame. He's been really – he's really good and has been really good. I would probably have Capella over him as well. I think Miles has been amazing. I, but to me, it's it, you. You nailed it. It's Capella was Capella is the guy I I thought about flip flopping with Joel. And your story on him was very good. I will say, I will not call you, you a jackass, and I will say your story was very good on your um, part, but it was very good. I I I think you nailed it with Turner. You know, it, it's it may only matter in five matchups across the NBA, but you can bully him, and he's a bad rebounder. And I yes. think and I think those two things, you just. Rebounding is part of defense. Well, in the rim protection, he's he's an amazing rim protector, and he's gotten um, smarter and smarter and smarter, sort of reading the game and not overhelping, uh, right. ignoring ignoring decoy action to be around the rim. He's really good at all that stuff. I just think Joel Embiid's better. I think Joel Embiid yep. at I, I still think Joel Embiid at full blast is maybe the most impactful defender in the NBA, even more so than Gobert. I, I don't know. Maybe he can he can be. I mean, he's an enormous human. And he, he's he's physically imposing at the rim, and he's a great rebounder, and he he can really dominate the game at both ends when he's really going. Um, shout out shout out to Jakob Pertl, by the way, who deserves at least a sniff of attention in this. Discussion. I I was going to I was going to mention him. I had a scout this morning say, "Hey, mention uh, mention Jakob Pertl on the pod." And I called to ask for some advice on who to pick. He's been very good, very very good, uh, and his numbers are all off the charts. He's just. He's, yeah, look, maybe he is as good as all these guys. I don't know. He's really good. Jakob is really good. Yep. Um, let's talk about Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is one of my names in pencil for I. So I uh, so far I've only said Embiid. So that means I have four spots left on my second. A lot second of spots. Team. A lot of spots. Um, and um, and Drew Holiday is one of about I would say ten names I have uh li- listed there. Yep. Here's an interesting thing about Drew Holiday, who I think is amazing. And one of the things I value uh, really highly when I do these is the ability to guard multiple positions. And I, I just think it's so important. It's so important in the playoffs that he can guard. I mean, I love, love when some big dude who doesn't get to post up much because he's not very good at it, finds Drew Holiday on him and is like, ooh, I got a guard on me. Yep. This match, give me the rock. I'm going to get the rock. Gets the rock. One dribble, uh-oh, I, this isn't going well. Let me try another dribble. Uh-oh, yep. still didn't move him. This is going to be a problem. Let me one more dribble. Oh, Drew Holiday has the ball. That's one of my favorite moments there's not in the a lot NBA. Of guys who can. There's not a lot of guys who can credibly guard Kyrie Irving on one possession and Kevin Durant on the next. And Drew Holiday is one of those guys. So Second Spectrum, the tracking data company, they track every. they track everything. But one mm-hmm. of the stats I look at just for fun, and I never really know what to read into it, is that you can look at um, every shot based on who the closest defender was, right? And then you can – so you rank all the defenders based on um, how much above expectations did the offensive player shoot based on the location of the shot, who right. the offensive player is, so it knows how to differentiate between Steph Curry and um, you know Bruce Brown – and uh, who the defender is and where the defender is. Right. Against Drew Holiday, offensive players have outperformed expectations in a positive level, outshooting expectations, by such a large amount that I had to double-check that I was sorting it correctly like five times. 
Then I checked in with a bunch of people around the league. I was like, is this just noise? Like, what is this? And I, and Drew Holiday has suffered, depending on how you parse it, from a bout of bad luck with jump shooters just making shots over him all the time. Probably right. mostly luck. I don't know how much to quote-unquote hold that against him, but it's the only thing that doesn't have him in pen as one of my guards on the second team. Because I, yeah. I just think he's been outstanding. And this is one of those things where, like, like we talked about at the beginning with the defensive stats. Like, I look at them, but I, this is also partly me. Like, if I'm if I'm gonna pick guys that I want guarding somebody in a huge spot in the game, I'm gonna pick Ben Simmons or Marcus Smart or Drew Holiday to guard somebody. Like those, you know, those guys. If you need one stop in a game, if I put one of those three guys on somebody, I feel like they're gonna make it as hard as possible for those guys to score. And to your point. The thing I value about all three of those guys is that they're capable of guarding several spots on the court. Like Drew Marcus and Ben can all guard one to four at least, right? And that um, that that's a huge thing for your defense. If you have a guy you can kind of just throw anywhere, um, that makes a massive difference if you're trying to win at the highest level. So here are the rest. Here are the other names for those four spots that I have. I think there's about ten names. Smart, leaning towards smart. For sure. We don't need to talk about Marcus Smart's defense. Yeah, he's, for sure. a, he's a pit bull. For sure. Drew Holiday. Mikhail Bridges is on my short list. His number the advanced numbers are not great on him, curiously, but I just I test and what he does for that team guarding whoever they ask him to guard yep. um, is is just phenomenal. Yep. Paul George. Yep. Kawhi Leonard. Yep. One of my favorite sneaky candidates. OG Ananobi thought he's yeah, had a great season. He is. He has had a good season. I. I don't. He's been out in and out with some injuries, and that that whole team is not quite obviously for a lot of reasons out of their control has not been where it would normally be. But yeah, OG might a, be the best. OG might be the best one on one defender in the league. So I think having him in there is more than reasonable. He's at forty three games, which I think is the least of all these players. I mean, Smart is only at forty five. Kawhi 49. So it's not a huge difference. But who, I, who, again, with the Raptors, you yeah. watch a Raptors game, you're like, who's playing? Who's not playing? Yeah. Ken Birch is, is an all NBA center. What's going on? <laughs> um, uh, I just think OG, if you want to talk about guys that can guard one to five, I mean, no, OG, he, OG is he awesome. doesn't just switch one to five. Nick Nurse will put him on fives. Yeah. Like you're no, now, OG, you're, you're guarding the awesome. center. OG is um, awesome. Uh, and now two, uh, three names that I want to sort of wrap with. Bam Adebayo, who's eligible at forward and center, as I yep. hinted to you earlier. Yep. LeBron James, who's injured again, yep. but has been outstanding defensively. And those shooting numbers I talked about with Drew Holiday, yep. outperforming expectations. Guess who's number one in the entire NBA for negatively outperform for offensive players negatively underperforming. I would, I would just, I would suspect it's LeBron. I would, LeBron I would guess James. with that lead in. Yeah. LeBron James. Now he's you still can an tell intimidating, me. He's still an intimidating guy on the court and the Lakers are the best defense in the league. And I didn't have a guy that I felt, um, you know, I didn't have a clear candidate. Now both him and Anthony Davis, I think, again, if they were healthier, I, I would have definitely thought about both of them. And LeBron still, you know, he's been, he's been impressive the past couple of years on defense. I think, if you want to have him there again, I, I think that's more than reasonable. I mean, he's been he's been very impressive. 43, 43 games. The tracking numbers are insane. Uh, the advanced numbers are are really really good. And again, you can tell me it's true. The Lakers spare LeBron the heavy lifting in individual defense, right? They're not going to put him on. They're going to put him on the least threatening player. Yeah. 
But that also unlocks him as a help defender, and he's incredible as a help defender. He's really, really smart. He can switch everywhere. He's a great transition defender. He works hard. He's not using the assignment on the non-threatening guy as a vacation. He's working really, really hard. Like, I think he's got a real case. Yeah, for sure. I definitely and, think he. I definitely think he's worthy of getting on there if people vote for him. I, I'm totally for you with you on that. And then the guy who's played the fewest minutes of all these players, all these players on my entire I think, serial I think, killer I think, list. I think I, I think I know who you're going to say, and may damn well be the best defensive player among them. I think I know who you're going to say. Well, go ahead. I'm going to guess it's uh, Matisse Thibel. I'm guessing Matisse Thibel. Matisse Thibel is currently my second guard, but that's the one I have in pencil. I honestly, he's in he's in pencil with these other groups because of the minutes. And you want because this all defense is interesting again for this because you have these defensive specialists who come in for 15 minutes and your whole job is play defense. That's it. On offense, stand around, hopefully make an open three. Yep. Otherwise, don't f up. Just just <laughs> like try to avoid dribbling if at all possible. Exert yep. very little energy, and then on yep. defense wreck shit everywhere and then you have guys who play 35 minutes a game they're number one to number two options exhausting themselves on offense and on defense they're really really good they're just not whatever the hell Matisse Thibel is which is a a monster and and it's hard to like it's hard to weigh those things like do you really discredit those players compared to Thibel because they have to expend so much energy on offense and he doesn't have to expend as much but and then you get at the minutes thing he's playing 18 20 minutes a game yeah, he's at twenty. twenty. He's at twenty exactly this year. Briefly out of the rotation early in the season, a couple games DMP or like almost close to DMP. Yeah, I, I I just think <laughs> you you look at the steals and the blocks and just the 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 man on man defense, the help defense. I, I just think he's so good that he's I, incredible. I, I think he he might he might overcome all of those institutional minutes obstacles and be on these teams. I, I just think he's. He's the best perimeter defender in the NBA, I think. Oh, look, in his very first game last year as a rookie, he comes in in late in the first quarter, and he gets put on Kemba Walker. Very first assignment in an NBA game, guard Kemba Walker, one of the shiftiest guys in the league. And Kemba shook him and, and broke his ankles and hit, I think, a three or a jumper right on the first play. And then Kemba tried to do the same move a couple minutes later, and Matisse blocked his shot, and he stole the ball from him twice. And this is you know, one of the shiftiest guards in the league. And this is his first game he's ever played in. I mean, he is a, you know, generational talent defensively. And look, part of the, you know, part of the thing about his minutes, if he was on another team where the fit wasn't quite so clunky because of his, you know, up and down shooting, he'd probably be playing 30 plus minutes a game. But because he's on this team with all these defensive guys, you know, with Danny Green and and uh, Ben and Joel, um, you know, his, they don't need him out there to be, be out there as much but um but yeah when he is out there he's on another level defensively so and i they, i was they, with you on the minutes that was why i have him in pencil instead of pen but he he's going to get a lot of consideration from a final spot i mean i'm trying to find where i wrote down his numbers yeah i mean he's his numbers are are crazy um averaging averaging 1.6 block or 1.6 steals and 1.1 blocks in 20 minutes again it's pretty and, I, and then i can hear the Lakers fans and the Jazz fans saying, "Well, hold on for hold on a second. You get you get ten spots. Three of them are going to Sixers. They have the second best defense. 
The Lakers have the best defense by a tiny, tiny margin. And we, the Jazz, have the third best defense just behind Philly. The Knicks have the fourth best defense. They're pretty close. How does Philly get three? And my reaction is, well, I, I guess they get three because their three guys are really freaking good. I don't know. They're really why. good. Well, you know, I think, they're, like I said, I think it's a credit to the Knicks and the Lakers that their teams are defending the way they are without having automatic all-defensive team guys. And, and again, Edie and LeBron, I, if they were both healthier, I would have, you know, I think I had, they were both guys I considered. They would have gotten more consideration if they played more games. But I think it's a credit to those teams where they're at defensively. And like you said, with Utah, their whole team is built around Rudy Gobert's ability to play defense. And the reason they're the best team in the league this year is because they've gotten all these offensive players to surround him with shooting because they saw how the playoffs went and they needed to become a better offensive team to have a chance to win a title. And they went and did that. And they could do that because they had Rudy Gobert to anchor their defense at the back line. That's why their defense is where it is in the league. It's not... You know, I thought about Royce O'Neal. I think he deserves some some consideration. He's on he's on my big list, not my short yeah. list. He he he's he's their you know ace perimeter defender, and he's really good and has developed into a really good player. But that that team goes where Rudy Gobert takes it defensively. So that that's why to me he's the best defensive player in the league, and why he's going to get my vote for defensive player of the year. But you know, that's no slight on those other guys. Speaking of the Lakers, by the way, you know who shows up atop near the top of most of the advanced stats leaderboards in defense. I'm going to guess for the Alex, second for the second year in a row. Alex Caruso. I'm going to guess. I might be the, wrong. The Caruso. Yeah. The Caruso. I thought I thought about him a little bit. I thought about him a little bit. He's been he's been good, but he's I like there. I said I think it's more of a collection of what they have as group. Um, which like I said I think in terms of playing defense I think that's more impressive almost than having like the Sixers should be a top five defense right like we they have big time pr- talent defensively. Um, I don't look at the Lakers and Knicks in the same category and, and the, and the Warriors too. That's why Draymond's on there. Like those, those teams are doing it as a group. And I, I think when you're playing defense as a team like that, it's almost more impressive than having, you know, one or two dominant players really anchoring you with that. end. Will you allow me to defend my potential slotting of Bam out of bio as a forward? I mean, you, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I just, I, I think Bam's Bam's been a center this year. And I just think he's a little below those other guys. But hey, look, yeah, first, but Bam is Bam is awesome. I mean, Bam's the reason. Bam is Bam is, is as much of a reason as Jimmy is the Heat were in the NBA Finals last year. And I saw him obliterate Miles Turner and then obliterate the Celtics in the playoffs. And also was the the cheat code against the Bucks. I mean, Bam, you're not going to find many bigger Bam fans than me, other than you. You you are the, probably the number one Bam fan. Been driving that Bam wagon. I know you have. Um, I know he's awesome. I, I think if you want to, if you put it, if, if you consider him as a forward, he's very, he's another guy, you know, like OG or LeBron or any of these guys. He's very worthy of consideration for sure. So my defense is multifold. I have a multifold uh, defense. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Uh, <laughs> number one, the NBA has listed him as eligible as a forward. They don't, hey. I don't make the rules. They make the rules. If the, if you change the rules right now, then I could just well, drink and flick you. walk down the street you. with open containers. I would do it. Let me ask you out of curiosity. Uh, I know it's not an all NBA podcast. Are you? What are you going to do with this Joel and Jokic uh, forward center thing for all NBA? I don't know. I'm not ready to, to, to make that call yet. Probably keep them both as centers, to be honest with you. That, so, that, is, that is what I'm going to do. Fold one is they made the rules. I get to play by the rules. Sure. Your rules, my rules, play with the rules. And obviously the other defense is he switches so much for that sure. he's guarding everyone all sure. the time. 
the Heat play a completely different style of defense. Than, I mean, again, they started trapping and being super aggressive. They switch a lot. They play zone a lot. All of that or much of that is because of Bam and his versatility. No so I don't, I don't really feel like it's cheating if I list him as a center. No, um, Bam, Bam, yeah, Bam's awesome. I mean, he's one of the he's one of these cheat code guys in the league where because you have him on your team, you can play a hundred different ways. You know, I mean, he's he's really really good. And again, no then people would say, "Well, wait, wait a second, the Heat, the Heat are eighth in defense. They have two, two of the ten. And again, I this isn't my ballot. I don't know. Butler's going to be on my. And to, to that, I would say, look at the rest of their team. Like right. this is not a team. First of all, they've been injured virus protocols up and down I, they they are not exactly let's be polite they are not exactly stocked with quality defenders no. around jimmy butler and bam Adebayo. no no look these aren't this isn't that you don't go through the top you don't take two guys from each of the top five teams in defense in the nba and there's your all defensive team right it's not that simple and again i think if teams if fans listen to this and they get mad that there aren't enough Knicks or Lakers mentioned or whoever, like I said, I think it's a credit to these teams. If your defense as a team is that good without any premium talent, I, I, you know, deep, you can't win on defense if you're not connected and playing together as a group, you know, you can have a great offense with a couple really good offensive players and, you know, everybody else kind of supporting them. You can't do that on defense. You still, you still have to have, you know, some level of connectivity around your team. And if you have no elite talent like that and you're a top five defense or like even the Lakers, the Lakers still had the best defense in the league without AD and LeBron for a long time. Like that was one of the most impressive things of the whole season. Like if you'd said that those guys are going to miss weeks and they were still going to be able to defend people competently, I think few people, even among Laker, Laker fans, would have been confident that was going to happen. So I think they've been really impressive. Lakers Blazers tonight, baby. Woo! Huge Get game. ready. Get ready. Lakers, Lakers trying to stay out of the play-in. Every stakeholder in the NBA, please stay out of the play-in. We need, we need LeBron. I mean, if they if they lose this game tonight, they're. I mean, it's probably what an eighty percent chance they're in the play-in. We're going I mean, to DefCon if, if they if they lose tonight. We're going to DefCon two. It's not quite DefCon one yet, but we're we're transitioning from DefCon three to DefCon two. Can you imagine? By the way, there's a, there's a real scenario where if the Lakers lose this game tonight, we're looking at. Uh, LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Zion Williamson all in the West playing tournament in some form. I'm rooting for mass chaos, which means I'm now rooting for the Kings because the Kings <laughs> who have like a 20% chance to get into the play-in tournament, it's so objectively ridiculous that the Kings, <laughs> the Kings have the worst defense in the NBA by a lot. They've had two nine-game losing streaks. I know. Two. I feel like I'm talking about Grover Cleveland, two non-consecutive <laughs> presidential, two non-consecutive nine-game winning streaks, and the crazy, they have a chance. If the they crazy beat the Spurs, thing is, if they beat the, the Spurs tonight, they have a chance. The crazy thing is, if they had De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton healthy, I would give them a real shot to do that. I just don't. I don't. I mean, they do have a couple but, games with the Thunder, but but I you just you don't know you, you gotta do. you gotta think of you gotta remember we're talking about the Kings, okay? So <laughs> the healthier they get, the worse That's they'll true. be. The more That's limited true. they get, that nothing makes sense with the Kings. That is very true. That is very true. Any under the radar names we did mention that you want to bring up that you that you considered? Uh, I got a bit of a chuckle at you giving Ty Jerome, former NCAA champion uh, at the Virginia Commonwealth of Virginia. And by the way, University. I I don't like UVA. I don't like UVA. That took (laughs) took a that took a lot. I I know that I've you've told that story before, which is uh, which made me laugh that he got mentioned. I I wouldn't quite have him in my six man of the year consideration, but I do think uh, I do think his teammate Lou Dort 
Uh, he's on my some, he's on my list, the Dortmund. I do think I do think Lou deserves some consideration. I mean, that team obviously they're they're going through an obvious rebuild, and their season has been kind of a mess. But man, uh, my my maybe my favorite player to watch in the NBA, Alexander Pokachevsky, who just does not look like a real person sometimes on the court. <laughs> <laughs> he just he I'm fascinated by him. He's the seven what he's like seven one and 120 pounds, and he does fascinating things, either good or bad, all the time. But uh, they've been really interesting to watch for different reasons. But Lou Dort, I think, deserves mention. He has taken another big step forward. It's a big credit to the Thunder, I think, for his development. He's a legit 3 and D guy. He guards the best players every night. And, you know, he he's had a really good season. So, um, you know, Chris Paul, I think, should get mentioned too. But we've talked about most of the guys that, um, that I, I thought about, you know, across the, across the league. Yeah, I'm not going to go through every name on my big list, which means people will just think we hate their teams. Um, <laughs> all right, but, you know, again, I've big decisions still to come. we got a, a, 10 days until these ballots are due, I think, um, and 10 days of drama coming up because it seems like every seed is is still in play right now, which makes for a hell of a, a, a fun a fun stretch run here. All right, Tim Bontemps, uh, you can read all his stuff at ESPN. He appears on the Hoop Collective yelling at Brian Windhorst every uh, – your Tuesday, right? Friday, every Friday. Friday? Oh, you're Friday. So are you yelling at him today? Uh, we weren't no yelling today. We talked about uh, oh, talked about man, teams. Uh, Lottery teams are bright futures today. When okay. I'm on the when I'm on my bike and I hear you yelling at, I pedal faster. Like it, it's <laughs> like I, I get I get more invigorated. All right, Tim Bontemps, thank you, sir. Thank you, man. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. All right. Every season in the NBA, we know who the main characters are. They're in the MVP race. They're the main characters of the show. But there's always these delightful supporting characters that have great seasons that are really fun to watch that all the real NBA fans, not the casuals like Christian Wood said, the real NBA fans grow to love these players. And one of my favorite sort of supporting characters from this season is on the pod today, and that's Jalen Brunson of the Dallas Mavericks. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, you've had a wonderful season. You're you're really fun to watch, and so I appreciate you making a little time. So let's start 
you guys were recording this on I've lost track. I think it's Wednesday. They, days have no meaning anymore. It's a game day. You beat Miami in Miami last night, which helped you in the standings, obviously. So the topic du jour in the NBA right now is the play-in tournament. You guys are obviously hoping to avoid the play-in tournament. You're fifth right now. You have a really good shot at finishing fifth. Do you like the play-in tournament? Me personally? Yeah. I just think playing – well, so playing 72 games this year and having your season decided on – one or two games, just a little eh to me. So the Mavericks, the Mavericks are just anti-playing, top down. And do you have any playing fans on the team? You surely have discussed this on plane rides and stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we don't want to play in it. So, so I guess you can say we're anti-playing. <laughs> I like to play him. Um, then, of course, after that comes the playoffs. Now, I was told you you had surgery right after the pandemic hit last year. Didn't go to the bubble. I was told Mm -hmm. not only did you not go to the bubble for obvious reasons that you could not even bear to watch the Dallas Mavericks play in the playoffs. Is that true? And have you since watched any of the games against the Clippers? Okay. I watched, I watched every game. Oh, you did. I've been misinformed. I've been misinformed by a family member who shall remain anonymous. (laughs) I, um, I, I won't say for me, it was, I watched, it was tough. It was tough to watch just because of it's our first time, hopefully knock on wood, my last of just being out and being away from my team. And um, it was really tough to watch. And uh, I was really excited for my guys and um, throughout the whole bubble experience. And um, I tuned in every game. It was just for me personally, I just I wanted to be there so bad. So it just like hurt to watch sometimes. But um did, I definitely watched. It was did tough. You get, did you have any, like, could you sit and watch? Did you have to walk around during stressful moments? I think during, like, the first eight, like, games, or the regular games, regular season games, um, I could sit down and watch the game. But during, during, the, like, during the playoffs, I, I would get up. It was like watching, being an alumni now, watching Villanova play. Every time, like, it's, like, a close game on the remote i'm like throwing my phone like if the couch things like that so it gets it gets stressful do you call the coaches after games and be like look I, you got to do this like what are you doing with this rotation rick come on like bring this guy in run this play any advice no it was more encouragement um they have i know they have a lot on their plate and uh if i was in that position and i kept getting texts from a player who wasn't there i'd probably be a little annoyed so i was i was just trying to put myself in their position and um but I was just words of encouragement uh, after every game, uh, each day, things like that. What did you do uh, when Luca hit that buzzer beater to win game four and tie the series of two? Just the, the maybe the shot of the playoffs. Me and my dad sitting right there looking, watching the game. As soon as you shot it, it was like, oh, it's good. It was good. Like, I knew as soon as you shot it, it was good. And it was, it was, I stood up, I ran around the house and um, it, it was, it was a pretty cool moment. That was pretty special. What was it like to get surgery? You had sh- shoulder surgery. What was it like to get surgery? Like as the pandemic was shut, like you did it that week, right? I, from what I was, or like very soon after the NBA season shut down. So, so I remember the date, March 11th, is when the season got shut down. So, yeah, you know, it was. I think it was like the second or third week after I tore my labrum, and I was still kind of just deciding of what if I was what I what I was going to do, and um. I was talking to the team doctor before. I was like, "Hey, what are, like what are the possibilities if I want to get it done soon? Like literally the day before, like that 
the night of the game, before the game started, we were talking about possibly getting surgery. And then after everything happened, we come into the locker room after the game and look at him and I was like, all right, well, how fast can we get done? He said, Friday. I said, well, let's get it Friday. And then we, it was, it was normal. Like nothing really, no one really knew what was going on. And I think like two or three weeks later, um, surgeries got like, if they weren't, if they weren't life-threatening, surgeries were like done for like a couple months. So I got it done just, just in the nick of time. So the hospital seemed normal. I'm trying to picture what a hospital would have been like on March 12th or 13th. Like, are people wearing masks? Are people confused? Do you hear people yapping? Is it just totally normal? That's crazy. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty normal. It was pretty normal. I can't, it was, yeah, it was, there was nothing. There was no difference. I couldn't tell a difference. Um, I, and now that you're rejiggering my memory, cause I don't like to remember some of this stuff, but now you guys, if you weren't the last game, you were one of the last games. Cause remember the iconic moment of Mark Cuban realizing on his phone that the season's going to get canceled. And then you have to keep playing you finished the game against, I believe it was the Nuggets, right? So right. what do you, do you remember, like, I, where are you when you know the season's being shut down? Are you guys talking about it in the huddles? Are you like, are, are we really finishing here? I just want to go home. Like, what is that night like for you? It was, it was weird. There was a lot of things going on, a lot of things being said. Um, I remember sitting on the sideline, um, Mark, Mark showed us the phone and um, we, we all, a couple of us were like, we were just so confused. And then in the midst of all that, Boban Marjanovic just having a, a game of his life, having a great game. I forgot about that. He was having a monster. I think he had like 30. He had, he had 30 and a crazy amount of rebounds. And um, he was having a great game. Um, so we were excited about that. And then um, guys after the game were like, all right, like, what's everyone, like, what are we doing? Everyone, and everyone said, no, nah, everyone just go home. Like, let's relax, go home. And then. I guess the downfall started after that. Um, so you just leave. You just like get dressed, leave, do do media, answer some questions, and go home. Go and then home. you don't come back for a long time. It was yeah. It was that was so. It was so weird. It was so weird. Are you surprised? So you guys got off to a rough start this season. The virus really sidetracked your team. You missed four games in health and safety protocols for contact tracing, all that. Were there moments, to, and also understandably, you guys just didn't look like yourselves. You didn't look like the team that had been a really dangerous team last year. Just the the oomph, the dynamism wasn't there. Were you ever worried at that at that point? Like uh, we might not be able to fix fix the season, or were you pretty confident? Like we just need to get right. Um, I was worried, but not to the point of where things were going to get blown out of proportion. I was just worried about how everyone's mental states were going to be if we continue to go like this. Um, I was worried about just our team, um, how we were going to – how f it was more of me worrying how fast we were going to turn around. It was a matter of when we were going to turn around. We had a we have a group of guys who, like you said, we're, we're pretty dynamic. And um, the guys that we have, and, uh, we have the opportunity and the, the team to – be where we are now and maybe even better if we were fully together for the entire year. Um, but uh, it was a little nerve wracking at first, but then once we got it going, once everyone kind of took a deep breath and relaxed and kind of just bought in, uh, it got better and better. And um, I think it's still getting better as we go. 
What do you, what, when you say you were worried about people's mental states, like I can imagine what you mean, but can you elaborate a little, like what, what did you mean? What were, what were, what were people showing that maybe worried you? Yeah, it was just guys being with the whole, our team with the whole COVID thing. Um, it was, for me, I was just so, I was locked in Denver for a week in Denver, Colorado, didn't have a breath of fresh air for seven days. It was awful. Um, and so when guys coming back from that and then being able to kind of have to continue where we left off, like we had a big, we won that big game in Denver. Um, it was huge for us. Like it was an overtime game. I think it's, that was a kind of jump start for us. And then boom, we get knocked back on our heels. And um, I think for us is like guys, I didn't want guys drifting off to just doing their own thing. Uh, I wanted everyone to kind of stay on the same page of being doing what's best for the team. Obviously guys have their own individual goals and things like that, but how are we going to be the best team? Is this, if, if we suck together and um, we did, and we're going to continue to do so. You're, you're all, like, yeah, I, before I ask this question, I should ask you, do you and Tim Hardaway Jr. argue about who should win six man of the year or finish higher in six man of the year? Because I, Tim is making a, now I know he's starting. I'm not sure you count people's philosophies on what counts as six man are different. He's starting right now. He's making a late push. You've been one of the candidates all year. Do you guys now argue over who should finish higher? No, we haven't even talked. We haven't even talked about it at all. Haven't even talked about it. And, um, hope, hopefully we can keep it that way. And so we won't, we won't get in each other's bad side. I, I would be talking about it if I were one of you. I, <laughs> I, I admire your ability to restrain, to restrain yourself. Um, you're a point guard. You like to handle the ball. You can do a lot of fun things with the ball, which we're going to talk about. But Luca is the point guard of your team. Now, obviously, you play a lot of the minutes that Luca sits, and you can run the offense. Then, was it was it? A, and Luca is as high usage a player as basically the NBA has ever seen, and that's not a bad thing. Like he's a superstar. What was it a hard adjustment at first for you to take on that kind of secondary role? Um, not really. Um, I think for me, at every stage of my career from high school to college to the pros, it's always been an adjustment. I've always been one of the best players. And then starting high school, um, we had a kid on my team who handled the ball a lot. So I, I, I played point guard, but he handled the, he had the ball mostly. You know, he was a leading scorer. And then I transitioned into that and being a better best player to my senior year and then same thing in college at Ryan Archidiacono, who um, plays for the Bulls now. Um, I had to kind of take it backseat to him and then I kind of growed into that role and then now here. So it's, it wasn't a hard adjustment. It is, it is something that I've done before. And so um, I think for me to get better at it is, um, is how my dad has been able to help me. Uh, he said, you got to do the little things. You got to be, be ready to play off him. And, um, and I've done that. I think I've done that pretty well. I'm only going to get better at it because our chemistry is growing and um, it's something I've done. And it's something that I'm used to, and I'm going to continue to get better at. Um, you also have become a good screen setter for him. You guys have a little pick and roll, or pick and roll thing going. Did that? Did that happen organically? Did it just kind of happen? Did you practice it? Are you have, have you set this many screens before in your basketball life? Um, yeah, I, I would say the most was in high school because no one, no one left, no one switched off of me, so I always set screens. Um, but that's my original position. I'm originally a stretch four. I'm the first stretch four. So I, I'm a pick and pop guy. 
Dirk would argue, Dirk might argue that you're not the original stretch for uh, your rookie year was the Dirk Swan song year. It was the Dirk Swan song year and the Porzingis trader. So what's, so I don't, what, what's your favorite Dirk story? What did you like? Was that, was that year? It must've been interesting as a rookie to watch something like that's a special thing. Most guys don't get to witness that up close, but I don't know if you have a, a favorite story of, of him, right? I mean, he razzed everybody, him razzing you or him yeah. razzing someone else on your team or just a game or a memory or something dirty. Um, I think the coolest part about that is uh, watching his work ethic that in that year, just to be able to get back and play. Um, I can only imagine how it was when he was at the peak of his game. And um, watching that is, uh, is pretty special. I think my the cool – one of the coolest moments is every arena we went to on the road, he got a standing ovation every game. Every Even if you visited twice that year, he got a standing ovation. It's, that was awesome to see. That was awesome to see. Um, my best favorite Dirk story was when um, we were playing in Denver. It was on TNT. And then he was mic'd up, and he was talking to, <laughs> he was talking to me saying, they say no college killer. Like you never seen a body, a frame like this. You never seen a seven foot mobile guy like this. And I remember me stopping him mid sentence, and he said, "Yeah, you never seen a mobile guy like this." It's like mobile. Like if anything, like you don't move now. Like you don't move. There's no mobile to you anymore. Well, you know he's got to be able to take it because he dished it out a lot, uh, very playfully. Speaking mm. of which, so I asked people on the Mavs. From some funny Jalen Brunson stories or some behind the scenes Jalen Brunson stories. And a lot of them said the following. And it always it was always like this. It was always this tone. Uh I don't know. I don't know if I should tell you this, but there, but there's one thing that we all make fun of Jalen for. I don't know if he's gonna be okay with you asking about it. So but there's just this one thing. So I'll leave it to you. If you're comfortable telling the world, what is the, what is the, everyone on the mass has a thing that they get made fun of for everyone. What is your thing? I, I, I guess it's about how big my head is. Yes. <laughs> it, I don't, I'm looking at you right now. Your head does not look that. I never thought watching you, Jalen Brunson, I've thought some, I've never thought Jalen Brunson has a big head. I would make fun of it. I don't, but I, maybe I'm just missing it. Maybe I need to see you really up close in person. Let's just say our, our organization is very toxic. Very toxic. <laughs> well, man, I don't know if you want to go quite that far. Actually, um, I will. I won't say organization. I'll say our team. Our team, definitely our team, in a good way. I guess. I guess. Eh, maybe. What are? Give me someone else's thing then. What's What's another? What? Who's another target of some good natured ire? <sighs> hmm. You got to have something for. You got, how about this? You got to make fun of Luca. You can't be the the superstar and not and not be part of it. So what can what can we make fun of Luca for? What do you make fun of Luca for? Oh, see, that falls in the category of damn. Should I even say this? Yes, should obviously. I, oh man, I I remember recently at what I've been doing when, when we've been on the road, and then um, you know how everyone's had to say their real height, and so. Whenever he gets called out for starting lineups, he's like six seven guard or four from with Slovenia, and he always screams six eight. He screams at the top of his lungs six eight. But no no six. He's six five, six five two fifty, and then five two fifty. Okay, six five two fifty. That's the that, two fifty part of something. That there's one, and then the second thing I joke about him with is um <laughs> he, <laughs> he recently. 
he had it. He got it. He, I don't know if he's too fond of this, but he got a haircut and his haircut, there wasn't a, like, it was like a, um, it was like a, a cut kind of, and it was uh, not a mohawk, but it had like a fade to his sides. Yeah, yeah. But there was no, there was barely any fade. So I always got on him about his haircut. And then I saw some tweets about it and I was like, oh, the, the world's starting to see it now. And then you know how, you know how Zion has like a, a fit with a Z? Oh, yeah. So I said, oh, it's a Jordan brand haircut. You know, they all have the same haircut. So as, as a person whose name starts with Z, I've jokingly contemplated getting the Zion Z in the side of my <laughs> being a 43-year-old dude with the Z in the, in the side of his head would be a great, a great look for me. Um, uh, you wear 13 because of Steve Nash, correct? Right. That's cool. So when were you first drawn to Steve Nash? And you have elements of Steve in your game, which we'll talk about. But, and, and it's cool because there's some Mavericks full circle synergy there but when were you first drawn to steve nash i think when he got when he got to phoenix is when i be, really became a fan um i knew about him in dallas but um i think when he got to phoenix is when i really started watching him um i was just a big fan i don't know i don't know why i, I guess he's one of my favorite players to watch um chris paul is one of my favorite players to watch and i think i just see myself in them a guy who's may not be the most eye-popping, jump-out-the-gym, freak athletic guy. But he, he makes things go. And so I guess I could see myself in them. And um, I always try to take parts of the game and try to make it my own. Now, if someone asked me what one element of Jalen Brunson's game reminds you of Steve Nash, I would instantly think of one thing that you have in your game, one shot that you have in your game that to me is a Steve Nash shot. Can you, can you want to take a guess what it is? Is it the um, little fadeaway? Specifically the little fadeaway. Or, or, okay, okay. I was going to say that or the layup. Because so, I do, a, I, do a, I don't want to tell the world, but like whenever I drive left, Steve always used to get the bigs off balance who, who try to help over and block and block shots. He always go quick. He wouldn't touch the ball back. He would just go dribble quick up. One-handed. Quick up. One-handed. One-hand gather. Yeah. Um, interesting. So the shot I was going to pick was when you do the Gretzky and take, take it underneath the rim and come out the other side and you have this little, like you'll be facing away from the basket and in one motion, you'll stop, pivot, turn for a little jump shot. Steve made a living doing that come out the other side thing. I don't know if he had that exact same jumper, but that's, and Chris Paul has that too, actually. That's a tough shot and you kind of spin and face the basket while you're in the air. It's a cool shot. Yeah, I just, um, I just, I don't know. It kind of, um, I've worked on it and uh, it kind of became like a feel thing. Um, I, remember, I remember one of the times I did it, it was actually on Chris Paul. So, um, Ooh. so yeah, I remember. Um, Do you talk to him? Will you talk to Chris Paul or is it, you can't talk, you can't talk to one of your, your inspirations? Uh, it's, it's not even like that. I remember when Chris um, actually worked with my dad for a summer or two. And so um, it's kind of, that's kind of, He's become a good family friend, and um, I don't think we ever get to that point. Now, I just for me, I'm not a person who talks unless I'm talked to. I, I try. To, I don't. I don't really. I don't talk unless someone comes to me and says something. Who has talked to you, and and that to the degree that it elicited a response from you? Is there someone who at you verbally in a game? You're like, well, now I have to talk. If you're going to talk to me like this, I got to talk. Um, Dante Divincenzo, Villanova. Yeah. Well, that almost doesn't count. 
I can't. What do you say? Something slick. Something <laughs> slick. He always, he always says something. That's not, nah, that's, the Villanova guys are different. Uh, they, they, everyone, everyone talks because that's all we used to do. We used to just talk trash to each other every day. Um, well, it, it worked. You guys won two national titles and a hell of a lot of games. But speaking of Villanova, your dad, Rick, obviously went to Temple. I, I don't remember this specifically. I was told he always had a little something special for Temple because the Temple fans didn't like you because you didn't go to Temple. You went to Villanova and said, like, Rick always – or uh, Jalen always saves something for Temple. Is that right? Did you go at Temple extra hard? Um, you could say that. I would like, – okay, like I said, I don't, I don't talk or do any – I don't say nothing unless I'm talked to. The Temple – when we put at Temple – the level of disrespect was through the roof, through the roof. And I'm talking about, my, I remember my last year playing there, my dad, he flew in for the game because he was coaching with the Timberwolves at the time. He stepped behind the bench with my sister. My sister's in high school at the time. And there were these dudes who were not too far away, just screaming. I'm checking into the game. I'm at the scores table. My dad's right there. He's screaming at my dad. Saying you effing traitor, you're like going crazy at my parents, and my dad's just like, like whoa, like, it's like, it was bad. Like from the moment I stepped onto that court for warmups, it was bad. Um, speaking of Philly, your dad told me, and now your dad's accuracy is now in question because he was the one who told me you couldn't watch the playoffs last year. He told me you you liked Iverson so much that you used to cut up your mom's stockings to use parts of them to use parts of them as an Iverson arm sleeve. Is that true? Before I get to that, I don't think I could watch the rest of the playoffs. Maybe I watched, that's what he meant. Okay. I like I watched a little bit but I didn't I just I just couldn't. I it was just I, um but to go back to AI, yes, that is a thousand percent true. To the point where I wouldn't even ask her anymore. I would just go and do it and then she would find out. <laughs> So you're yeah, obviously was, a Sixers fan. Were you a Sixers fan growing up or whatever team your dad was on growing up? I was I want to say I was a Sixers fan. Okay. I was more a fan of players. Um I would actually I would say I was a Phoenix fan just because of Steve. Um whatever team my dad was on, obviously. Um I loved AI. Loved AI. But I don't know if I could say I was a Sixers fan. Where were you when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and what did you do? I was at my parents' house in New Jersey. And I kid you, so my little, my fan base is weird. Um, I'm a I'm an Eagles fan, but I'm a Chicago Cubs fan for baseball because I lived in Chicago. My mom's job has season tickets, and that's how I became a, a Cubs fan. So when the Cubs won, I was I was I teared up a little bit. I was happy, you know, like it was really cool. But when the Eagles won, that's my that was my first ride or die team. When I say my mom was looking at me and saying, why are you crying? I was like, mom, we just won the damn Super Bowl. This is like, this is like my, the first team I truly loved. And like, I, I really want, so we were in Jersey. And so, you know, Villanova is on the other side of, me, of Philadelphia. So I'm thinking, well, I gotta, do I go, do I drive through Philly? Do I go join this little, this little riot is going on right now? Or like, <laughs> but it was, it was the coolest thing, and um, man, I was I was so emotional. I, I felt like I played and won. Like that's how that's how crazy it felt. So you did not go join. I'm not going to call it a riot. I'll call it a celebration. You did not go join the celebration. 
I did not go join a celebration. I just think that that one had not been a good look. And Coach Wright definitely would have said something to me. Well, my one of my best friends, PJ, is from Philadelphia, a diehard Eagles fan. And he used to always tell me, I've known him since 2003, I think. He used to always tell me, if the Eagles ever win, forget what happened when the Phillies won. Forget what happened when the Flyers won. If the Eagles ever win, they might damn well burn the seat. To the and, they ground. Almost, and, they, and they almost did. And they definitely almost did. And it was a hell of a game, too. Uh, Josh Green, your rookie, you recently criticized on Twitter for his failure to uh, adequately supply you with Chipotle. to you and the veterans, I assume, with Chipotle and the requisite dressings and toppings you wanted from Chipotle. Has he gotten any better at this? Do the other rookies help him? I mean, what is this? This is important stuff. So Josh, Josh has a little, me and Josh have a good relationship, but something that I always told myself and jokingly, whenever my my parents told me to do something and I don't do it right. I always jokingly say, they get a little mad, but I always jokingly say, if you want something done right, you, you should do it yourself. So I was like, you know what? I'll take matters in my own hands. I'm gonna go do this myself and I'm never gonna have Josh do it again. I'll just have him do something else that's dumber and crazier and more embarrassing. Which which has been? I'm, I'm waiting for, you, you, you guys will know. It'll be on You'll social say. media, okay. It'll be on social media. What was the worst, who was the, when you were a rookie, which is not long ago, you're in your third season, what was your worst hazing duty or who was the vet who was like the meanest in terms of the hit rookie duties? I had some good vets. Um, I had some good vets. We had to get, like, we had to pick up food. It was, it's just simple stuff. Like go get them things. Yeah, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Um, my vets though, I remember Harrison Barnes, the first time I met Harrison Barnes, um, he kind of came at me. He was like, yo, Phil, Villanova's not not a blue blood, you know, because he went to UNC. He's like, oh, not a blue okay, blood. okay, Harrison. I was like, yo, like I just met you. I just like, <laughs> like come on now, come on now, and um, but, uh, like that. Wes Matthews, uh, great great guy. Um, DeAndre Jordan, like all those guys. Those are those are really good guys. JJ Barea, Devin Harris, Dirk, obviously, but um. I think the one that kind of stuck with me the most and kind of um, paved the way and like showed me the ropes and just a great bet would probably be Courtney Lee and JJ Barea. Those two were my, those two are my guys. What made what made Courtney Lee is not for some reason I was not. I mean JJ Barea is a Mavericks legend, you know, beloved Maverick. Courtney Lee's name just sort of caught me by surprise. What what about him was so valuable for you? Um, well, he got traded and he was part of the Porzingis trade, so he got he came here on that and. Um, he knew my dad a long for like a while. So I guess the connection kind of started there. And he was, he's just a great dude. Um, someone who uh, I just, I, I got to talk to, got to know. Um, our relationship just kind of grew from there. And the uh, same thing with JJ. Um, he taught me a lot about you know, playing for coach, uh, Coach Carlisle, and just playing here and being here. Um, he's loved here for life. And so it's something that I, I think is, is pretty special and something that I admire about him. I wanted to ask about that because Coach Carlisle is sort of famously tough on point guards, extra tough on young point guards. And yet you walk right in the league. Now you're a winner. You're a two-time national champion player of the year. You know how to play. It's obvious you know how to play. But also you're aggressive. You're not You're not a passive, always pass-first, deferential point guard. You go – you take you take hard shots. You go to score. And – it seemed like from the beginning that Coach Carlo just said, "This guy's got the leeway to play that way. I'm not. I'm not going to, you know, be overbearing about it." Did that happen right away? Or are you kind of surprised? Like, all right, I, I guess I can just come in and play my style. Yeah, um, I kind of, 
it, I, I won't say it's always been that way. I think part of that has always been on me. Uh, coach definitely gives uh, confidence to players to go out there and play. Um, I think for me, I kind of had to get my confidence back, you know, because coming into the league, you're, um, you just don't know what to expect. And so um, I think for me, I kind of, I don't want to say I learned it the hard way, but it kind of, it kind of got to me that I, I have to be myself. I have to be myself. I have to be aggressive. And I have to look like, look like I belong. I have to feel like I belong. And so it's not necessarily about scoring or shooting, being aggressive from that standpoint, but I always told myself to just get in the paint, make plays, get in the paint, make plays. And uh, for a guy like me, who you just, people may not know back when I was a rookie or my second year, maybe now, but um, guys would just spray out. And so I had the whole paint to myself and um, I was able to make plays and score. Um, and then now sometimes the defense will collapse and be able to kick out for shots and things like that. Um, just, it's just all about reading the defense. And uh, if they collapse, I, I can get guys shots. If they don't, I'm going to score. Uh, speaking of which, I, I wanted to make sure to ask you about this. They better collapse because you're shooting like 70% at the rim, which is what LeBron shoots, except you're 6'1 and don't jump like LeBron. So six, 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 five, six, five. You can say six, six, five, five, two, six, five, two, fifty. And, and you have all these leaning, tilting bank shot finishes. Uh, did, did, did you specifically practice that from year two to year three? Or are you, are you surprised? Or, I mean, obviously you've always had a knack for it, but I mean, this is, this is another level. I mean, are you a little surprised or, or did you always think like, I just need to get accustomed to it and I'll be able to finish like that. I've, I've been, I've been working on this for a long, long time. I've been working on finishing and all this stuff. My dad always said, you're one of the, even when I was one, I said, yeah, like, you're, you're like a really good finisher. Like you can get to the rim like with ease. You can, you can make layups really easy. And I never really, I never really, um, like took that to heart, but like now that like, I'm starting to see that and like see the numbers for it. Like I never really paid attention to like numbers about it. And seeing that, I'm like, wow, I guess, he, I guess he was right. This is right, but I think for me, as long as I keep working on it, working on different finishes and things like that, finish finishing through contact, and um, it's gonna it's gonna keep getting better. It's gonna stay consistent, and that's the biggest part for me, just being consistent and staying, you know, staying where I'm at or getting even better. Last one, I'll let you go. Uh, Sam Rose, who's Leon Rose's son, Leon Rose is the president of the Knicks, knows you very well, knew you since you were a kid. Told me. My best Jalen Brunson story is also my most embarrassing Jalen Brunson story. I, he said, this is Sam talking. He said, I was on a sixth or seventh grade team. I can't remember what grade, sixth or seventh grade, maybe a camp or a team. Jalen was in second grade. So second grade, seven years old, comes to the camp or comes to practice with my team, challenges me to one-on-one. -on -one, and this second grader just absolutely smokes me one-on-one -on -one over and over again in front of my like 12 year old buddies. This little kid is destroying me in one-on-one, -on -one, which is how, you know, okay, that kid's good. Also super embarrassing for a 12 year old to get beat up by a seven year old. And do you remember this at all? Because I think you inflicted some trauma on him. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't remember that. It's probably true, but cause it's, cause it's Sam and Sam would, Sam would never lie. Sam's a sweet soul. Um, I have no idea. But if that came out of his sister's mouth, I wouldn't believe for a second. Okay. Well, that's, those are fighting words, but I, <laughs> I, believe, I believe it because you're an NBA player and you're a damn good NBA player. And, and yes, you absolutely deserve 
real consideration for six man of the year. Um, it's been super fun watching you play this year and it's been great. It's been really nice to see you guys sort of steady yourselves and become the strong playoff team that a lot of us saw you be. Uh, Jalen, thank you for taking a little time. We'll look forward to the rest of the season. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.